This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Going to be checking your comments as we go through the show. So if you're watching live and you've got something to say, do get involved in our conversation. Our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. And without them, we couldn't make the show each week. Now we have six new patrons who joined us in the last week, which is great news. And we're so pleased to have you there. So a huge welcome to... Chris Beaver, Jody Neville, Robert Atkins, Paul Stevens, and John Margitz, who've joined our Bobby Stokes tier, and Saints in Exile, who's joined our Francis Benali tier, and we'll get a personal shout out at the end of every episode. We really appreciate your support, and I'll have a bit more on that and how you can join in just a minute. Coming up this week on the podcast, our first win on the opening day of a season in 10 years. Uh, Plus, there are two games this week. Gillingham in the Cup on Tuesday night before Norwich visits St Mary's on Saturday. Connor Southwell from the Pink and Norwich City podcast is going to join us to preview the game a bit later on. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined this week by our regular contributors, Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda Lacour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten and Alfie House is the Saints reporter at the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 238 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, before we kick things off, just one final shout out for our Patreon community. Their monthly contributions fully support the show and we couldn't make TSP without their support. There are four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast each month, each of those tiers has different perks like access to an ad-free version of the pod, exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles. There's the TSP FPL and access to some of our TSP events and much more. So if you just joined, we're be checking in on the FPL later in the season to make sure that you've all signed up and if you want to get involved in supporting TSP each month you can head over to patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast for more details all the links are in the podcast show notes and the YouTube description so on to the football Southampton made the perfect start to life in the championship thanks to Chay Adams late winner at Sheffield Wednesday and I've got to be honest this is the first time in about five months I've been looking forward to discussing a game <laughs> I've spent all day looking forward to the podcast lots of smiley faces lots of positivity Glenn our first competitive win since March and and it felt good it was a pleasure to watch at times it was very much so after the opening 
sort of five minutes, we got we got caught on the transition, didn't we? Um, and there was a bit of a scramble in our penalty area. That was a bit of a bit of a wake up call. But after that, we you know we scored very early, obviously with uh, Nathan Teller's goal. I don't care what anyone says. I know officially it's not, but <laughs> was that a travesty that he was robbed. Absolutely, we'll probably get onto that later. So it was great to, great to go one nil up, and it looked for about five or six minutes that we were going to absolutely steamroll them. So we got to half time, it was still 1 0 because basically Sheffield Wednesday dropped sort of it's like four, five, fifty yards one, wasn't it? They didn't they didn't have didn't that show any ambition at all to get out of defense and just just try to stay in the game, which uh, you know, fair play to them, they did. So there was always that nagging doubt at half time that um that it would only take a set piece to get back into it. And uh, and sure enough, that's that's what happened. And uh, you know, that's that's something that we are obviously going to have to work on. We've got a new set piece coach coming in. Though, what can you do when there's a geezer who's six foot eight or whatever that centre back is? Because he's gigantic, headed it back. But uh, but there you go, one one. And and you did wonder if you know we'd obviously been passing, uh, trying to pass Sheffield Wednesday to death, and it had been going really really well in that regard. And you just wondered, uh, having had the setback, will we will we keep it going? And we did. Um, substitutions were made at the right time. Stuart Armstrong, huge difference when he came on. Che Adams came on, obviously, to to freshen things up, and uh, and we got the goal. And and the the goal seemed to be, to me anyway, um, a direct result of of the fact that Sheffield Wednesday had been chasing us around all game, and they just couldn't couldn't keep it going. You know, they just got tired. And um, Will Prowse made that run, and absolutely no one went with him, and that was um, that was where the goal came from. Again, it's a lovely way to pass from uh, Walker Peters, and um, yeah, Che Che was there to sweep it in, so it was great. And then we had nine minutes of keep ball, which which was fantastic. Just a, approximately a hundred passes in um, in nine minutes, and even Bobby Madley, he's a dog lover, you know, even Bobby Madley couldn't um, <laughs> couldn't find any extra time to. Um, you know, to 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 comply with the directives. So, uh, yeah, lots lots to talk about Bobby and the refereeing at some point because he was he was he was different. Um, be interested to know whether that's just what we're going to have to get used to in the championship with referees, or whether it was just Bobby Madley being himself. Because we used to get him, we used to have him in the Premier League about four or five years ago, and he was absolutely shocking then. Um, so I don't know whether it's him or whether that's um, the sort of general standard we're going to have. The to new directives, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so many good performances from so many players. It's like the perfect day, really. I mean, f- first off, we won. Secondly, we played really well. You know, the style of play, and, and three, there were things to work on. You know, there's, so it's not anything you can get complacent about. We have the transitions to work on. We have the um, set piece defending to work on and we have the um the sort of when to release the ball into the strikers you know mm. there was a there was a bit occasionally you'd see Armstrong make a run and he wouldn't get the ball when he should have done and sometimes you'd see the ball come in from the wings and there was no one making a run and it, it's just that that sort of telepathy if you like that only comes with work on the training ground so there, there needs to be a bit of improvement there so um, overall perfect start to the season Steve, it's been a while, but plenty of positives to discuss tonight. What impressed you the most about Friday? Um, just the composure, I think. The fact that we didn't get completely flapped by Sheffield Wednesday equalising. I mean, Saints teams of the past, even Saints teams of the re- very recent past, would have folded like a deck of cards as soon as, as soon as like um, as soon as that equaliser went in. But actually, apart from, I mean, I don't, I don't think they had another shot, did they? It was, I mean, Bazunu's, I mean, they've had one shot on target. Bazunu's got no chance with it. And, I mean, Bazunu's touches 
have mostly just been passing the ball out to either centre-backs or um, chipping it over the striker to a full-back to get us sort of moving up the pitch again. And so he won't have had a won't have had a, um, a quieter game for us, I wouldn't have thought. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of positives. I think the, the, only, the only slight thing I thought was our tempo and kind of the kind of clinical method of the way that we were passing eased off after about half an hour for about half an hour. So kind of either side of half time where it did kind of feel as if we were a little bit passing for passing sake. Um, you had a lot of times where we kind of manufactured the ball into a decent area, kind of about 20 yards in in from the touchline. And either Teller or Adozi would be in a lot of room out on the wing. And rather than put the ball out there for them to then run at the fullback, and they both had both had their their respective fullbacks on the run completely. I mean, Adozi was brilliant, I thought, running at Callum Patterson. We didn't really, given that that was such a... we. We worked out fairly early on that that was um, quite a good avenue for us to attack. We didn't quite use it as much as I as much as I think I'd hoped. I kind of fully expect fully accept I'm kind of splitting hairs a little bit here, but it's. But that's what yeah, we're I mean, used to as well. <laughs> but but we but we will at the end of the day we will play against mu- um, much better teams than Sheffield Wednesday. I think that's that's the brutal truth, and we've still only scraped that game two one. When given the dominance, I mean there was a danger that if I mean that. That game ends one all. Everyone's saying, "Oh, well, this is typical Russell Martin team," and we'd have basically ended ended up with a with a point, having basically been camped in their half, but kind of replicating that scene from The Simpsons where Portugal and Mexico pass the ball between each other um, without going anywhere. So it's yeah, we I think in many ways we kind of got away with it if you're kind of being overly harsh, but. So at the same at the same time we've kind of we've kept going and as Glenn said they were they were tired from from kind of half-heartedly chasing us about they they sat so deep that they weren't really interested in impressing us anywhere sort of within probably 40 yards like any anything between their goal and 40 yards they'd go they'd come towards us anywhere near our goal they weren't they just weren't interested in the slightest it seems as if they were almost playing for a draw um, other than that first five minutes, so they were playing for a draw more or less from from the start. So to break them down in in that manner, that late in the game is yeah, it's great, great, great confidence boost. That I mean, as far as Opta are concerned, both of our centre forwards have scored already this season, and I think I think just the, the performances of individuals were were really heartening. I thought Smallbone was excellent. There weren't there weren't many passes from him in particular. That were kind that you would kind of say were pointless. There was a there was a little bit of to and froing in sort of late in the game where we were just trying to keep possession to run the clock down. Um, but earlier in the game, almost all of his passes had a had a purpose. It was creating a different angle for yeah. somebody. It was passing through the lines to Alcaraz, who I mean this this is this seems to kind of be his thing that for 45, 50 minutes he's brilliant and then he kind of disappears a little bit into into the ether. Just a stamina thing, I think that that the club can work on. And the one thing that was very noticeable when Stu Armstrong came on, all of a sudden we were we had players that were happy to dribble with the ball as well. So Stu was dribbling through the channel and then also had a dozy outside him who um who also wanted to wanted to run with it. And that gave just gave Wednesday an extra problem to have. All of a sudden you you're then not only are we just passing in, in front of them and around them, um we're also um, using a bit of pace because I mean it was, it was something we identified previously. That they're quite a slow team. Apart from that guy they brought on as as sub uh, midway through second half up front, they they didn't really run at us. 
and I think that was that was quite key for us being able to keep it kind of keep them at arm's length really they they didn't didn't pose any other than other than from that from that one set piece and the early little bit of a scramble um there were no alarms and yeah, it was felt like we was dealt with of, them as well yeah it was kind of worryingly com- uh, mm. comfortable and competent certainly un- unexpected given given everything that's that's kind of come before it but um yeah i mean let's let's not get complacent norwich norwich on saturday is likely to be a much harder harder examination you'd think they they look they looked okay by the sound of it on saturday and again and another team that went to the end um, with mm. a late winner so well we'll find out in a second because we've got somebody from the Norwich podcast coming on so we're better to uh to get his opinion on that Alfie that first half to me was evidence that the players have adapted pretty quickly to the new way of thinking if I think back to the last time we played Sheffield Wednesday there were a number of players that were involved in both games but that was that was much much better on Friday night a really good example that they've taken on board what what the new manager's trying to get across yeah, and I think I've got to apologise first of all because I don't know if it's the shock of winning a league game or, or just seeing Southampton play so well. But I've come down with quite a bad cold, and I think it is just a, a case of completing as a surprise because it was so good. Like you say, it's only been four or five weeks. Um, but Steve made the point that I wanted to make actually, and it was I do think that that late winner was really important, not for within the club because you know Russell Martin, Jason Wilcox, they weren't going to be concerned if they if they drop that game one all because they know it's going to happen at times. They're going to dominate teams and they're going to miss the final touch and, and not get the points. But for supporters who travelled with over three thousand. Um, yeah, really good all game. Uh, you, you, what you didn't want to see was a, a continuation of what we saw at Russell Martin Swansea a lot of the time, and that was eighty percent of the ball, record breaking passes, but not actually win the match. So it was a a really big moment, I felt. Um, but yeah, I mean, so many good performances. You know, Will Smallbone. I'm very proud to be a member of the. Uh, I've, I've said Will Smallbone should be playing for a long time club, and anyone doesn't believe me, <laughs> go back and check what I've said on Twitter and whatnot. I've said that he would be playing, and he should be, and I, I'm really pleased for him. I think he looks excellent and. It's almost like when Romeo Lavia leaves for 40, 50 million this week or next week, you you don't really need to replace him. I'm, I'm sure they will in terms of a body in some way, but Will Smallbone will have that role now for the rest of the season. And a load of players just showed themselves as, as a level above as well. I mean, Carl Walker Peters, we haven't mentioned, um, but he was absolutely phenomenal. Clearly too good for the championship. You know, long may that continue. I'm not sure it will. And I want to say about Jack Stevens as well, because yeah. you know, Russell Martin said in Turkey that a player's going to look a lot different to how they did you know, the last season, the season before in Jack Stevens' case. And I thought he did, you know, a few passes I think he put astray in the first sort of 30, 45 minutes. And I think there was actually the first five minutes, the, the carnage that ensued that, that should, you know, should have seen Wednesday go ahead was Stevens misplacing a pass, if I'm not wrong. But he was unbelievable in the end. I felt the way he brings the ball forward, so brave on the ball, um, just really progressive. And yeah, it's a, it's nice to see it all come together so quickly. But as Stephen Glenn had mentioned, there's going to be a lot tougher opposition than that. And there will be games where they have 75, 8% of the ball and they lose 1-0 or draw 1-0. Let's talk about um, Teller and that goal then, Glenn. No doubt in your mind, but uh, Opta, whoever they are, seem to think that actually uh, that was uh, Adam Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that drives me nuts in, in football to do with the administration of football is inconsistency. So if that had been a def- if, if Adam Armstrong had been a defender, would it have been given as an own goal? No, because it was on target and, you know, end, end of story, really. Yeah, Teller's hit it. I did. I saw it on like the, I was watching on the telly. I saw it on the first replay that it had flicked off him. But no, I think I think it's insane to give to give a goal to a player who's basically trying to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's not looking. He's got his eyes, got his eyes shut. He like tried not to get smacked in the face. And um, yeah, I did think it was funny when you watch it the following, you know, another replay. He um, he actually wheels away to try and claim the goal, but all the players have run to the guy who's actually had the shot. So, uh, no, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But it would have been uh, with the with the noise going on around um, 
around Nathan Teller, that rather pathetic effort from the, the, the campaign, Burnley. social yeah, media campaign, yeah. Yeah. just embarrassing um, for them. I think um, it would it would have been uh, it would have been nice to have uh, had uh, Nathan Teller's name on the score sheet after what six seven minutes, whatever it was. But uh, no, it is what it is. They've given it to uh, to Adam Armstrong. He's he's two goals in two games now, isn't he? After Jordan Henderson gave him the ball against <laughs> Liverpool, Taylor last season. So uh, yeah, maybe we don't need another striker after all. Eighteen four in the championship for Adam Armstrong. Marvelous. <laughs> um, Dying to dig that one out, haven't you, <laughs> Steve? I tell you what, I, I think I was surprised with for just the one new signing really in the starting eleven, which is Ryan Manning. The rest was kind of the loanies coming back. What did you make of Ryan Manning and, and everyone that had been out on loan last season coming back in? I know we've spoken about Smallbone and Teller, but impressive stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, ultimately, Smallbone and Teller were playing at this level last year, so they they know the requirements. Um, they know what it takes to win win games of football um, in the championship. So. I think leveraging that that experience makes a makes a whole lot of sense. And ultimately, realistically, they're both going to be they're both going to be sticking around. Burnley don't seem to want to pay more than um, more than a couple of couple of pies and um, and a whippet for their um, for their best player for last season. Apparently, twenty million quid in in the Premier League. That's not that's not what they're about. So um, I don't think Teller's going to be moving anywhere. So yeah, build build the team around. Build team around the likes of him. I think for the for this season, he's going to be getting plenty plenty of um, plenty of opportunities to score. If I mean, especially if the, the fullback lets him cut inside four times like he did um, on the on Friday night. Yeah, Stevens was very good. He's he's a and I've, I've said this before that he's he's a really good organizer of other people. The the problem has always been at the top level whether he can kind of organize his own game as well. And I think I mean I think. It, it, at the slightly lower level, I think he's got enough time and the and the the ability and the capability of of doing that at this level. So yeah, I mean, if if Prousey does eventually go, it does sound as if as if he'll be he'll be captain from that point onwards. So which I think I think most people would probably probably say is is probably reasonable. Yeah, no no huge complaints. Uh, Manning Manning I thought was was decent certainly first. First half especially um, got into some really good positions. Unlucky not to score. Half decent save from the keeper. And yeah, him and him and the Dozy linked up really well. I, I thought for the first half especially. Second half he was he wasn't wasn't quite as adventurous. I think that was that was part of the issue that I had for for sort of a 25, 30 minute period was that the fullbacks weren't quite getting um, getting into the right positions to to help the wingers out and and create that space for uh, for players to make runs, which is why you ended up seeing the likes of Adam Armstrong making loads of runs and just not receiving the ball at all. I think he only had I think he only had like three touches in that second half, which while I mean a lot of people will will kind of pin that on him, I don't I don't think that's his fault. He was making the runs and you could see it kind of right at the right at the edge of camera. He was making a lot of runs, either coming short or um, or bending in to to go in in behind, and the ball just never arrived. So that's that's one thing that I'm sure Russell Martin will be looking. Yeah, to, as we said, there's things to work on. on yeah, it's in not, the week, it's, isn't there? We're yeah. not the finished article. We're not going to be for weeks at least. I'm going to ask you all about your player of the week, which is something new we're going to do um, this season. If you're watching live and you want to get involved, who impressed you the most this week? Who would be your your player of the week? Um, Glenn, just a quick word on the the refereeing. Um, obviously, all that extra injury time. God knows how many bookings. 
personally nice not to have var with yeah. you know when, when the goal goes in you're like it, it's actually it is a goal and we can celebrate and yeah. and that's not to be underestimated but it'd be interesting to see if that level of pedantic refereeing is kept up going forward well i mean you know with the new rules you, you kick the ball away you're going to get booked that has always been in the rules as far as i'm aware but they're just they're just applying it now adam armstrong's got a book for that and that was fair enough because he deliberately just walked away with the ball and then booted it fair enough the Sheffield Wednesday got guy got booked I think it was the guy who scored their goal Gregory he yeah. he got booked for kicking it about two foot I mean you you know rules is rules and he's a the referee Bobby Madley has applied the rules but then Josh Windass scythed through Carl Walker-Peters twice mm. and nothing so it, it 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 always sort of this is the um, inconsistency thing again. So you can you can tap a ball two foot, which hurts absolutely nobody, and get booked. But you can sigh through someone twice, and and get nothing. And um, Wentz had another player on the the right wing, Delgado, who got booked for the tackle on a dozy when he stood on his foot. And then he, he trashed through the back of someone else in the second half. And I'm thinking in the Premier League, both of those two would probably have been sent off. Um, so, like I said at the start, I don't know if that's if that's Bobby Madley things with regards to the tackles, or whether that's just the way just the way it is in the Championship. I suspect a bit of both. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interested to see how how that goes on. But yeah, I, I spoke to the um, the Sheffield Wednesday lad we we had on uh, last week, and and he he said to me, "Oh, within." Within a couple of weeks, you'll be you'll be wanting VAR back. I'm I'm really not sure. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm really not sure. After that Theo Walcott thing at Brighton last year, and like I said that that finished me off with VAR. I've just had just had enough of it. So uh, yeah, it was it was nice to see Chase stick the ball in the net. You could see the linesman didn't have his flag up. Happy days. Let's uh, let's move on. But the uh, yeah, the, the officiating is going to be is going to be somewhat different. And you know, we're going to win some. We're going to lose some. And then we just have to see how it goes. Well, just before we move on to preview the, the Norwich game, I'm going to ask you for your player of the week. Alfie, who impressed you the most this week, either in the build-up to the game or on Friday night itself, if you had to single one person out? I think there's there's probably a couple, but I mean, I think most people probably say Will Smallbow, um, just in the sense that he had more touches of the ball than anybody else, more passes. I think he played 145, 146 passes, put four of them astray. Um, just set the tempo, really. Um, so I'd probably have to say Will Smallbow. But you can make a case for Walker Peters, you can make a case for Jack Stevens and a few others as well, probably. Can I make a case for Stu Armstrong? Because I thought he injected something yeah. different into the game when he came on. And I know that he, he sort of plays a game, misses a game, plays a game. And and actually, I thought when he came on, you know, do you know what? We, we might nick this. That was the moment that I thought we, we might be all right here. Steve, player of the week for you? Yeah, I mean, Smallbone's certainly up there. I think ultimately the the key key intervention was um, was Nathan Teller in the first half. And and he was run, running their, their left back ragged. So, yeah, that'd be my choice. Nathan Teller. Glenn? Honourable mentions to Carl Walker-Peters and Ryan Manning at fullbacks. Mm. I thought they were both excellent, sort of linking in with their um, relative number eight and uh, and the winger on on their side. But the, the one who you know did it for me was Sam Adozi. Just uh, beats players for fun, gets kicked a lot, and he's going to have to get used to that. But he gets up and he gets on with it. Um, and he's quite happy to take on the player the next time, even if he's been crunched. Um, and he... His turn of pace is ridiculous. He goes from zero to see you later in, you know, in an instant. And, I, I, you know, there's a lot more to come from him. You know, he's mentioned his end product that Russell Martin wants to work on. And there, there were question marks over his attitude a little bit last year. And, and But so far, he seems to have um, 
you know, he, he seems to be excellent. Okay. You know, this season so far, so happy days. We're going to put together a poll on our social media so you can have a vote for that. I feel like we need a catchy jingle for TSP Player of the Week. Right. Like Harry Hill used to have on TV Burp, so maybe we can work on that for next week. But uh, oh, thank or you. Or not, or not. <laughs> Get your guitar out, Glenn. Uh, no. <laughs> Something some with um, stalagmites and stalactites. Is that, is that the thing? Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Now, Norwich City are the first visitors to St Mary's this season. And to help us preview that game, I'm pleased to say we're joined by Connor Southwell from the Pinkham Norwich City podcast. Connor, thanks for joining us. Hey, evening, gents. How are we? Uh, yeah, we're right. We're looking forward to, to the weekend. Um, you had a Good result at the weekend, right? Happy with that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think everyone with a of a Norwich persuasion was pleasantly surprised. It's um, there's not been a lot of of optimism or expectation around the club. I would say this summer, which is uh, a really interesting position to be in, given I think the the character or how Norwich are characterised as a club that bounces between the two divisions. That really hasn't been the case. I think most people probably expected them to be somewhere in the five to ten bracket uh, and and that was seen as being quite optimistic so yeah I think the performance was was probably more pleasing than the result I would say because even though I know it looks a 96 minute winner and they've come from behind I know how that looks but actually they, they completely dominated the game which wasn't the case for a lot of, of last season when they played uh, when, when they played so um, yeah I think there's there's a lot to be positive about but it feels like this weekend is probably a bigger and maybe even truer test of where they are in their progress. Tell us about the the summer business. Were you not happy with with what was done over the summer, or are you thinking you know it's pretty much as we expected? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit uh, solid, if not unspectacular. I think is how I describe it. I, I don't think you know Ashley Barnes, Shane Duffy, maybe even Jack Stacey are players who uh, who you look at and they really get the the pulse racing. You know, I, I don't think they are those type of players. But Norwich have tried to go down a different route. They, they kind of, if they faced adversity last season, they really wilted. Um, they were unable to adapt and, and struggled when, uh, when when they came up to some sort of resistance or challenge. So they've tried to bring in some more experienced players to help manage those situations and to try and get them through things a little bit more. And that was showcased a little bit. Uh, there was a moment in about the 89th minute, Aaron Connolly came on and uh, knocked the ball past Shane Duffy. And last year, the Norwich man wouldn't have been willing to take a yellow card. Shane Duffy was just willing to clip his legs on halfway and, and concede a free kick. So it's, it's it's a change of approach, a change in direction. And I think everyone is a little bit intrigued as to how that looks. But yeah, it's a, it's a good start and a good base that they've that they've got off to yesterday. And Alfie, no disrespect to, to Sheffield Wednesday, but do you think this is kind of like the first proper test of, of where we are? Because this is going to be a different game than, than the one on Friday night, the opener. Uh, well, I think it's a different test. I, I think to be fair, going to Hillsborough on a Friday night, um, was a, a, a relative test. You know, I thought Sheffield Wednesday were somewhat organised. They, they, they were they were pretty. They didn't fancy pressing. They they let Swanton have the ball, and that was why those numbers came. But I mean, I don't know much about Norwich. Connor's the man to ask. But yeah, I mean, he's absolutely right with that perception of they're they're the team that you, you'd always think would be in the top six or, or top ten. So I think with the home crowd, uh, that goal by Germs would have done them a lot of favours. I think Saints will have a lot more time in the first half now. There won't be as many waves to get the ball forward when it is being played around the back in the 30th minute, and it's still nil nil. So. I think that um, I think it's a game that Southampton should win. I think it's a game that Russell Martin will expect his side win. To be honest with you, I think it yeah it might be tough, um, but you probably want to you want to start your home season well. 
we've had a few good games over the years as well, Steve, haven't we? There have been some some good encounters. Yeah, I mean, my particular favourite was the was actually the Johnston's paint game where Grant Holt threw himself on the floor in the night in the ninety fourth minute, only to turn around and see that we'd um, we'd stuck in a um, injury time equaliser right where he should have been defending, um, <laughs> and we went obviously went on to lift the trophy. That was my particular favourite, but I think I would imagine that most thirteen years ago now or something. Uh, God, yes, yeah, 2010. <laughs> um, I mean, going, going back further than that, I mean, we've had some ridiculous games with Norwich. We had the 4-3 the year we went down in 2005, where Henri Camera scored about, about three minutes from the end. But was, I mean, that game was mental. It was three all at half time. Um, neither side could defend um, to save their lives. Um, and as it turned out, that was, that was basically the problem in sending both of them down to the championship. And then... I mean, the, the slightly older amongst us will we'll remember 94, 95, um, <laughs> where Ken, Ken, Mon, Ken Moncow in the last minute pops up at, at Carrow Road for a 5-4 win, which was yeah equally equally preposterous. So yeah, there's 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 usually goals in in the games um, between the two sides. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what Norwich try to do away from home. David David Wagner is kind of given the given the impression before that he's the sort who away from home will be quite pragmatic and it'll be interesting to see how patient we are both the team and the fan base with kind of passing sideways and looking trying to go back and go back around the other side and and trying to trying to make um sort of make space in different ways before i mean as as alfie said before someone's shouting get it forward mm-hmm. but i mean ashley barnes will score because ashley barnes always scores against us but other than that i think as has been said i think realistically coming down with a premier league squad you've got you've got to expect to win your home games and unfortunately while norwich norwich have now got got out of the sort of yo-yo effect so they they don't have the that sort of oh we'll go we'll just go again and we'll win the league again now um, that sort of belief that they they must have always, they must have had every time they went down um, in in sort of recent years, um, but that seems to have kind of been sapped away largely thanks to uh, Dean Smith. And I think it's a it's a rebuild job um, for Wagner, and he's he's not by the sound of it he's not overly popular. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I mean Connor Connor will be able to be able to say whether whether that's fair or not. But he seems to be seems to have been one of those managers who was really really successful in one place, and now everybody keeps giving him jobs, which he doesn't quite stand up to. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how they set up. Um, I don't, I'm not convinced this will necessarily be one of those high scoring thrillers, though. Is it still? Is I mean, is that a fair assessment, Connor? I mean, what are the the expectations for the season? Is there a little bit of maybe we will, maybe we won't, maybe not as confident as you have been before in in the league? Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly say that's that's the case. It's, it's really interesting because I think um, you've got this weird juxtaposition between maybe people looking at it and feeling that they should be a top six side, and maybe there being a reaction if at some stage they fall they fall away from the top six or whatever. But I think actually there's there's a lot of grounded people uh, I would say who maybe feel that it is going to be a case of maybe trying to get as close to the playoffs as is humanly possible. And that is a realistic ob- objective. So it's it's really interesting what's happened at Norwich over the over the last 12 months. I mean, for, for you guys, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting one because I think you should look to Norwich and look to Watford for exactly how not to approach the championship as uh, as was the case last season. And, and I would say Steve is, is pretty spot on in, in a lot of his assessments there. Dean Smith completely eroded 
uh, a lot of the feeling and a lot of the goodwill that that was built under Daniel Farker over a long period of time. And there was a load of issues there, which would take far too long for us to <laughs> to delve into. Um, but yeah, and on and on David Wagner as well. I'd say the jury is still very much out. They they kind of ended the season uh, with one win in eleven. They finished thirteenth for a side that's just come down from the Premier League and had aspirations that were set by the club. Dean Smith came out and said, it, oh, well, it'll be all right, we'll finish top two. Uh, and it was the case that they made when they changed the manager as well to try and push and, and get promoted. They would argue they were in the running for the for the top six until the penultimate game of the season. I, I would suggest kindly that anyone who watched Norwich for a prolonged period of the season would tell you that wasn't the case. So I, I think it's it's a really interesting place that they're in at the moment. I think the best way to describe it is it feels at the moment like it's teetering a little bit, which is why yesterday was was so important because I think fans are basically waiting to see what way it falls now because if it goes positive and it looks like they're a top six outfit again, then I think a lot of the fans will, will get behind David Wagner and what he's trying to do and, and that will buy him some time. If the performances aren't there and we see a lot of what we saw last season, I would probably suggest that he won't last very long. So it's it's a really interesting position that they're in at the moment and, and, and the expectation and the range of expectations are, are really interesting. Is it one you're looking forward to on Saturday, Glenn? I mean, we've had some great games against them. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it for the simple reason we have... It's a massive game for us because our home form has been woeful since about 2016. It really, it really, no, it took 2017. It's been awful. You know, they're, they're, they're really, I mean, what was it, two home wins last season? So, you know, we said last week before we played Sheffield Wednesday that there's got to be a big, about turn just in the, regardless of the the fact that we've gone down a division that there, there has to be a, a big about turn in in the way we are going about things in order to you know turn us from a losing team into a, a team that wins occasionally now we, the first step was was friday night against sheffield the next step is to do it at home hmm. so it'd be interesting to see how how norwich approached the game and how that you know, I mean, we know what we're going to do. We're going to try and pass Norris to death, and it's just a case of, you know, whether we, whether we can do that. To to be honest, from from what I've seen, and it's it's not much. I quite like the way Norwich have gone for sort of experience in the centre back positions, and you've got Ashley Barnes up front as a as a focal point. Both Shane Duffy, Ben Gibson, and and of course Barnes, they'll be a threat to us because set pieces. Um, physicality, which is, you know, it's still there's still question marks to be answered, uh, questions to be answered about how we how we deal with that. So it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be an interesting interesting game. And and your goalkeeper, of course, is um, is uh, one of our um, <laughs> fans, one of our uh, favourites, one of our one of our favourites. So uh, yeah, so it'll be an interesting game. I mean, regardless of who the opposition are, I'm looking to how we approach home games and. You know, Alfie said earlier on that you know the last-minute goal, last five-minute goal, whatever it was, against against Sheffield, sort of justified to a lot of fans the way that Russell Martin wants to play his football and stuff like that, and give everybody a give everybody a boost. Um, doing it at home, you know, if we can if we can get a win on um, on Saturday, that'll be that'll be massive to get you know a vast majority of our fan base on side. So uh, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to it from from that point of view. Norwich will be more of a test, I think, than uh, than Sheffield Wednesday were. But it's a it's a game that after Friday, I'm I'm quite confident about how we're going to approach it, and uh, and hopefully we'll come out on top. 
All right, I'm going to ask you all for score predictions in just a moment. Connor, since you're on, Max Ahrens, is it the um, the right back not in the squad <laughs> um, yesterday? Obviously been linked with a move away. Can you tell us any more about him as a player? Was was he injured yesterday? <laughs> he's uh, Yeah, he's not been in the squad for the entirety of pre-season. Oh, so yeah. I saw quite a few people getting a little bit excited about this. But that's... Uh, and David Wagner said after the final pre-season friendly last week that he wouldn't be in the uh, in the squad. He's, he's been away with England under 21, so he only returned turned about two weeks ago so he's not really fit that being said he is available and I think Norwich would quite like somebody to buy him so uh, if the money is right then I think they, they would take it I mean as, as a player I mean I watched Southampton on on Friday night I, I think they've been the most impressive of, of the three uh, relegated sides based on the evidence of the opening weekend which probably means nothing in reality but the way Russell Martin likes to play the way that the, the fullbacks like to uh, like to get forward he would slot into that team uh, pretty seamlessly, I would suggest his uh, track record in the championship shows he's one of the best attacking right backs in, at, at this level. Um, Norwich have made a point, and, and sporting director Stuart Weber has has come out and said that he's outgrown Norwich, uh, and he said this at the start of the summer, and that they couldn't help him. He's also in the final twelve months of his deal, so that probably makes it a little bit more urgent. So yeah, I, w- I would expect movement on him. Whether that's to Southampton or not, I guess I guess we'll see. But uh, it would make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. I would suggest. Okay, I appreciate you clearing that up. Um, let's go around the screen with the score predictions then for Saturday. Steve, I'm going to come to you first, please. Um, yeah, I think we'll we'll back up back up Friday with an identical score, two one win. Okay, uh, Glenn, a uh, little bit little bit more optimistic. I'll go three one. Okay, Alfie. Yeah, I don't think a clean sheet is quite quite there yet, so I'm going to go two one as well. If that's all right. I'm going to stick a two-all draw because I, I kind of agree about the, the clean sheet. I don't think it's quite there yet, but two-all for me. And Connor, um, score prediction from you. We won't hold you to this. Um, we, won't, we won't tag you in everything. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I've got to be positive because I'm, I'm representing Norwich. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go. This maybe isn't. I'm going to contradict myself. I'm going to go for a one-one draw and sit nicely on the fence. That seems like a nice place to be. So, uh, so yeah, Norwich to to score on the counter. All right. That's- been really insightful so uh, thanks for coming on and if it's all right with you we'll catch up again later in the season lovely stuff thanks gents good to see you all all right cheers connor take care cheers uh, connor joining us here to preview the norwich game a couple of other bits before we finish we need to preview the gillingham game as well i mean efl cup uh, cup first round south i think is how they've labeled it i mean tell me you've been relegated without telling me you've been relegated last year it was all about beating man city and reaching the semi-final uh, and this year it's a way to lead to gillingham on a tuesday night glenn what are you expecting from this one just um, a chance for some players to, to to come in and get some minutes absolutely i mean the, the... The priority this season is to get promoted. We're not going to win it. We're not going to win the Carabao Cup. I'm not saying sack it off, but I am saying don't play any of the players who you want to play in the league on Saturday mm. if you can um, if you can avoid it. I mean, you know, Russell Martin's made mention of the the very obvious thing that we have a lot of players. Um, we have too many players, so I, I wouldn't anticipate anyone who started the game on um, on Friday to uh, to play. So just off the top of my head, you got. You know, James Bree, Lianco, Lavia, yeah, Lavia. That was an interesting <laughs> one. Um, Charles, cup time. Charles Gineppo. Oh yeah, yeah. Ammo, Ammo, Ammo. Your Kamari Doyle, Sekumari. Got loads of players. I don't know. I don't know if Sekumari's fit, but you know, there's there's lots of players who could do with ninety minutes. And surely Bazunu still plays though, because you can't try and play this style with Alex McCarthy and goal, surely. It's, it's just mad, madness. I know Can. it's only Gillingham, but... Can for a giggle. 
Oh, maybe yeah, they, I'd, they, maybe I'd be very play, surprised if he's doing starters. I'll be honest. I think yeah. it'd be Yeah. Or maybe play the you know Jack Bycroft or whatever. One I mean, of your arguments last week, Steve, about when we I think when we talked about the Bournemouth game, you were saying about the the players need to get used to this uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So maybe there might be a few more players that, that come in because this is going to be the pattern for for the next nine months. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I mean, I I think they'll I think Russell will take a more pragmatic approach that it's it is League Two opposition, um, albeit League Two opposition who have thrown a little bit of money around in the last. Um, six to eight months or so, so they're not they're not going to be they're going to be no mugs, and they will be very physical. That make make absolutely no mistake about that. So that's that's probably a game for Lianco getting wound up by somebody, um, <laughs> and I'm I'm entirely here for it. That'll be that'll be um, great entertainment, and it's probably yeah, it's pro- it's probably one to. I mean, I'd be amazed if there's not at least seven changes. Maybe I mean you might you might even change the. You could you could make a case for for changing the whole eleven. I'm not sure I'd quite go that far, but you could you could certainly make the case for it. Um, Alfie, is it a case of anything but extra time for you, really? Yeah, that is a case, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there is, there is no extra time. Like, is it straight to penalties? Straight, straight yeah. penalties, I think. Oh, well, that's, that's something, I guess. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Tuesday? Yeah, I think it depends on the fitness levels of a few of the guys. I think Glenn sort of alluded to because Sekumara you'd probably have over because um, I think at this point Chadams is probably going to start on the weekend. Adam Armstrong probably on the bench, but you don't want to make Adam Armstrong play again. So if Sekumara was fit, you'd like him to play, but he might not be. So same with Don Ballard, who's obviously back playing now, but hasn't really had a chance to play with the first team at all during preseason. You would have earmarked this as a game where he could have potentially uh, got 50 minutes, maybe, maybe 60, 70, or just off the bench. Um, Jaden Magoma will probably come in. I'd like to think because you know Juan Larios and Romain Perot, you'd love to give some minutes to, but we don't actually know how fit they are. Um, so you know if Romain Perot's fit, then he'll play. But yeah, I think it's just about who who actually is there because again, Armand Belakotchap, Belakot hasn't played. He still exists. He's still a Southampton player apparently. Camel Dean's still a Southampton player. We haven't seen him at all. So if these guys were all fit, you'd have all of them starting. You'd see loads of players. They'd have a chance to get the seasons going. But I don't know how many of them are actually available. Um, just I, I mean, I'd like them to get through the cup. To be honest, I know it's only the Carabao Cup. I think you want to win matches. I think the one thing that Ruben Sellers did last season was, you know, when when he lost to to, to Grimsby in the in the cup in the FA Cup, and he just it was a chance to build momentum. I know that people said it was only Grimsby, but look what happened after that. He lost um, to everyone. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but look, he look lost again. On, he lost again on Saturday. Yeah. And you just you want you want to win football matches. You want to win games. So yeah, I think uh, for me it depends. I'll be very interested to see the team just because it will tell us who's actually fit and who isn't anywhere near being ready. And you've still got players learning a new system. So it's another chance in a competitive environment to, to get the players just averse with that system and, and getting them used to it. So, yeah, as you say, all eyes on the on the lineup, really. A couple of other bits I wanted to chat about. Just uh, Jack Stevens signing that new deal, Steve. Um, Two-year extension, everything that Russell Martin was saying. I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but you, you think maybe future captain. And, and nice to see somebody, the first person coming out and actually saying, yeah, I'm here for the fight. Uh, yeah, someone who actually wants to be here, which is which is always a plus point when you've just been relegated. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, I mean, I was I was quite surprised that Bournemouth didn't kind of firm up any interest in him because he seemed to seem to be very popular there. But then you kind of also look at it and think, well, Bournemouth still shipped sixty goals again last season, so maybe maybe the Premier League level isn't quite for uh, for him at the moment. But if he come if he does well this season and we we go back up with a bit of momentum then maybe he's a he's a first team regular again and and kind of things things change a little bit for him but um no he's he's clearly got good leadership qualities uh he's popular in the dressing rooms popular among the fan base for the most part so yeah it's a it's a, it's a good sort of feel 
feel-good story for the club, I suppose. A, a, kid, a lad who's been been in the club for for a long time now, committing his future, albeit only for only for an, an extra year to the one he was already committed to. But yeah, it's 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 a, it's good to get that get one over the line because. I mean, a player who's likely to be playing every game this season, you don't want them in a situation halfway through the season where their contract's running down and you don't quite know what their commitment's like sort of long term. Um, so at least nailing them down for um, for the next two years gives us a bit of security there. Um, and we can now move, move on to pot- potentially similar deals for um, for other players in the same situation. Yeah, yeah, I think Nathan Teller and Will Smallbone should be two of those players that they, they should be looking to if they're not already to, to give a new deal to, to be fair. Like you said, the academy coming through, that feel-good factor of having your own player who actually wants to be here, if they can get those two signed up as well. I think that'll go down really well. The Glenn, the, the Salazu thing we touched on last week, I think that was confirmed this week. But um, Saleta Saar, the other one who joined Leon on a, a season-long loan, although his, his Instagram post would make you think that he's not coming back. It was very... Bednarek-esque. It was. Um, it was. It's an obligation to buy. I think, isn't it? At the, at the end of next season, so it was a financial fair play loan deal that they'll basically buy him next next summer. Let's hope so. But that was another one. We you're not too fussed to see out the door. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. See, see you later. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Thanks for your contribution. Thanks for trying. Yeah. Couldn't really get. Couldn't get in a team that was getting smashed every week last I'd still year. love to know why he got left out by Celeste completely I'd still love to know what happened or what was yeah there was, a, there was obviously obviously something going on there um, I mean the, you know the guy's got to look at himself he's he's fallen away was it in the Euro, in the Euros whenever it was he was hmm. touted as being the, the you know the next big thing and he tipped for a 50 million pound move and all that's very that's close to joining Liverpool on deadline all that sort of, ago. yeah all that yeah. sort of oh, that would have been amusing wouldn't it hmm. being the, the next Dejan Lovren or whatever but um, yeah no it, it just just hasn't really happened for him has it and you know he's, he's ended up getting relegated he's Gone back to France, and uh, I mean, it's a shame in one way because I think he would he, he would have been an asset this year, but I think he would have been up there with Alex McCarthy in terms of um, passing the ball across the back four and all that sort of stuff. So, no, no, not not bothered. I just hope that we haven't made too much of a, you know, taken too much of a haircut financially on um, on getting him out the door. But um, yeah, such such is life. If that's the case, sometimes you yeah, as as we know, we've we've still got a couple of mistakes hanging around that we we are going to have to sort out one way or another. And and sometimes there is no other way but to um, but to but to pay the money and get rid of them. We've had a few over the years. Um, Alfie, are you expecting a busy week? I know, obviously, Tino to Newcastle. Uh, he was photographed at the at the game yesterday, so we'd expect that to be confirmed, I guess, early. And a new goalkeeper coming in, perhaps, although not to challenge for the number one shirt before we will get carried away. Yeah, Russell also did hint that I think they, they might do something in terms of replacing Tino uh, pretty quickly as well. So we may see that, um, whether that's Max Aaron or somebody else. And yeah, Joe Lumley... You know, I think um, obviously not somebody I was overly familiar with. Did a bit of research once I was told that that was happening. And the reviews from, you know, his former supporters um, are obviously not necessarily gleaming. The highlights package isn't brilliant, um, but he, he won't be somebody who's... Sounds <laughs> perfect. Be, yeah, he's not he's not somebody who's going to be challenging. You'd like to think that's a that's a cheap deal to get a third goalkeeper in um, or even maybe a second goalkeeper, depending on what happens with Alex McCarthy. But yeah, uh, Gavin Mazzuni won't be too threatened by that one. Okay, maybe a busy week ahead then. Um, Before we finish tonight, I just want to spend a couple of minutes. We've um, seen the opening round of fixtures by and large. So I just want to discuss between the the four of us who we think our top two, our top three will be uh, in the league. Who have we most been impressed with and who who hasn't impressed us, I guess? Who have we most um, disappointed with just after the first game? So I'm not going to hold you to it, but having watched the first round, 
knowing what's going on, Glenn, who is your your tip for the top? Do you think it will be us? Are we going to be up there, or do you think we might get pipped at the post? Um, there's there's no reason why we we shouldn't be up there. I mean, we, you know, we're going on ninety minutes of everybody here, or one hundred and five minutes with the um, new timekeeping directive. Yeah, obviously we're going to be decent. Leicester are going to be decent. Leeds are going to be decent. The three relegated clubs, as as you'd um, as you'd expect. Of the others, I mean, Plymouth are a team with momentum coming up from coming up from League One, so they they might have a good season, but I don't I don't think they'll be seriously challenging the um, the, the top places. It's hard to say. Middlesbrough were good last year, but you you don't know if they're going to be this year. They lost they lost at the weekend, so uh, no, it, it's 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 kind of hard to tell. Uh, Watford might do, but they're such a ludicrously run club. Who knows what's going to go on there? I kind of completely lose interest in. Uh, I, lo- I lost interest in Watford when they were in the Premier League because it was just it just seemed pointless trying to analyse a style of play or 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 lineups or whatever. So I assume they're still the same. But and there are a couple of teams, uh, probably four or five teams. So you watch the highlights and it's just garbage. And this is this is why we need to, um, you know, we don't want to sink down to that level. So while we've got the advantages of having as many good players as we have and the parachute payments and all that we need to get out of this league before we before we sink down to the level of some of the um some of the sludge that's down uh, that's going to be in the bottom half and for, i mean from what i saw sheffield wednesday probably won't be down there even now i think that I, I saw three or four teams who looked obviously worse than sheffield wednesday so i whilst i think they'll be bottom half i don't think they'll be um you know, based on based on the one game I've seen, I don't think they'll be um, they'll be in the bottom three. Steve, who are you tipping for the automatics? I mean, Leicester's Leicester's attack, I think, is is the best in the league. Even though Vardy was dreadful today, um, they've got they've got so many options there. Yeah, that I think, even though their defence is absolute garbage, and I mean Yannick Vestergaard is now getting <laughs> starts for them. <laughs> I mean, how has this happened? That literally, literally, the single scapegoat for everything bad that has happened to Leicester City Football Club in mm. the last two years—it's all been on him, apparently. And now he's starting in their first game down in the Championship. That's mental. And him and him and Valt, Valt face a lot alongside each other. I mean, just Keystone Cops. It was it was mental. Um, if Coventry were even vaguely clinical, they'd have they'd have been five one up midway through the uh, second half, and the game would have been done and dusted. But as it is, we're in the championship and bad defences get let off the hook time and time again. So I think Leicester will be there um, unless suddenly they, they lose a raft of players. Yeah, um, Jewsbury Hall, who got both the goals, he's been linked to quite a few clubs. I don't know why particularly. Well, but, he's, I mean, he's, he's yeah. a weird one. I mean, he was, he was good today, but he was dreadful last season. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's just... Do you think Leeds will be out there, Steve? Because I think I, I quite fancy them. I'm convinced. We've got a manager that knows what he's doing. Well, does he? He he again feels like another one like David Wagner and and Dean Smith and all these others who have had good spells in clubs where they've got the right conditions for them and everything kind of falls into place and yet they go elsewhere and they're rubbish. Farker was terrible at Munch and Gladbach last season. They were delighted to get rid of him. And I think Leeds 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 transfer business this summer has been odd in that rather than actually holding out and selling play, selling their top players, they've just sent most of them out on loan. It wasn't their um, choice. They had uh, clauses in their contracts, which meant that if a loan offer came in, they had to accept it. Oh, really? That's, uh, so, yeah, that was a Victor Orta masterclass, I believe. Nice, <laughs> nicely played. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you don't know what what that lead side will look like come the end come the end of August, similar to us. 
I think I'd, I'd probably back us a little bit more to replace the outgoing players better than than they might. So yeah, not sure on Leeds. Mill will be there or thereabouts. Coventry looked looked good today. I thought. Other than that, don't Sunderland. Lost today. Ipswich. Ipswich. Ipswich are another one that are coming up, aren't they? With that momentum Ipswich, behind them. Yeah, like, Ipswich have got a bit of a bit of us about them mm. in terms of 20, 2011. They're going to spend all their budget on Adam Armstrong. Is that what <laughs> well, possibly, but they've but they've got a bit of momentum. They've got a they've got a manager who's got a system that gets the absolute best out of those players, um, and a group of and a squad of players that just fits it perfectly. I don't. I think they've they've been very smart in in the transfer market, and yeah, Kieran McKenna looks looks like looks like he's got something about him. Yeah. So, so yeah, I I, I, so I, I think the manager, manager I, I think, at Plymouth as well. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think Ipswich should be top six. Plymouth comfortably mid table. They res- they haven't got the resources that that Ipswich have. Yeah, when Wednesday will probably be hovering a little bit, but they'll they'll probably stay up. Uh, Rotherham be garbage. QPR are done already, really. And, <laughs> I mean, Jesus, I mean, getting 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 booed getting booed by your own your own fans twenty minutes into the first game of the season is is yeah. never a good sign. It's not great when you have to apologise for getting stuffed in a preseason friendly, is it? Yeah. So, um, Alfie, just your your call for top two. Just, I mean, who are you? Anyone impressed you over the the, the opening weekend? Yeah, there's not much more I can add than, than what Stephen Glenn have said, really. But if, I'll make a quick prediction: top two. I, I would say Leicester win the league, Southampton second. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that actually, and uh, and we probably all take that actually. To be fair, mm. so uh, all right, thank you for that. On that note, that's pretty much it for this week. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. Uh, we're also new to Instagram and Threads, where we are at Total Saints Podcast on there. So give us a little follow. Uh, as you know, if you're watching this podcast on Sunday evening, we live stream TSP every week on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to be the first to see all of the new videos and we love hearing from you throughout the week uh let us know who you think your top two will be uh come the end of the season and your predictions for the weekend too you can drop us a dm on any of the socials or you can email us at total saints podcast at yahoo.co.uk if you've got something to share uh, we're also on patreon as i mentioned at the start that's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution just visit patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast those four tiers on there i mentioned ranging from five to twenty pounds per month and each of the tiers comes with different perks including the weekly shouts for those patrons in our Franny Benali and our Mick Shannon tier so thanks as always to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson and now Saints in Exile as well in the Francis Benali tier and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. Cheers Steve, thank you Glenn, thank you Alfie, thank you for watching, thank you for listening, thank you for your comments and we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.